Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. So we're going to start the episode off with a fun fact, or not so fun fact. Cavities are contagious. Such a, <laughs> a fun fact, not so fun fact. I don't think that, yeah, I would qualify that as a not so fun fact. Not so fun fact. fact, right. That's a, like, not funny and also sad. Yeah, it's interesting though. It, no, it is interesting. And yeah. as someone who, despite my very best dental health efforts, I still get cavities, It which just Same. piss me off because I take such good care of my teeth. It makes me sad to know that they're contagious. What that means isn't that you have a cavity and you cough on someone else and then they will have a cavity. Uh, cavities are caused by bacteria in your mouth, contrary to the myth that sugar causes cavity. Sugar doesn't cause cavity. Sugar feeds the bacteria that gives you cavity. However, there are many different types and strains of bacteria. Some are more likely to cause cavities than others. So some people have those bacteria in their mouth and they get cavities frequently despite you know brushing their teeth and flossing like you and me do while others i don't know if you know anyone like this i do they just don't get cavities they just oh i brush my teeth once a day i don't really floss and they just never get cavities that's because they are lucky enough to not have those cavity causing bacteria in their mouth so they don't get cavities that frequently and those bacteria can spread either by you know kissing or sharing food so you can make someone else more likely to get cavities if you are very cavity prone. Now, I'm very cavity prone. And I think you mentioned that you're also very cavity prone. Yes. Even to this day. Yes, still. I take such good care of my teeth and I go to the dentist every six months and not every time I'm at the dentist, but mm -hmm. more often than I would like <laughs> uh, when I go for my checkup, they say, oh, there's a little cavity here that we need to fill. I'm like, son of a... <laughs> I mean, imagine how much worse it would be if I didn't floss and brush and right. you know mouthwash and like all those kinds of things. So how do we get rid of this shysty bacteria? Unfortunately, kind of like the microbiomes in your gut, once they're there, they kind of stay. Damn, daggers. I'm sure the, the cavities that you get are like small cavities. They're not like huge ones, right? They're small because I go to the dentist. Yeah every six months and they check it out and they catch things when when they're small which is great Do you get them filled every time yes yeah i get them taken care of because i don't want them to grow bigger that's true if you don't take care of them i did not take good care of my teeth when i was a kid like not at all Same. so i i may have like screwed myself over um <laughs> with that just wasn't interested in dental hygiene you know didn't brush my Most teeth didn't floss yeah. that kind of stuff but yeah, I had tons and tons and tons of cavities as a kid. And actually, some of the issues I'm dealing with now are because I didn't take care of my teeth when I was younger. And so now, like, I have fillings that are falling out. Like, I sound like an oh, old no. person. <laughs> or like, you know, I have to get crowns because a tooth cracked because oh, no. I had too large of a filling. Yeah, my, my I, I don't know, my, I have... <laughs> probably more information than anybody ever wanted to know about my dental health, but there you go. I want to ask about James. Is James cavity prone? No, so jealous. He is not. So I don't like going to the dentist. They It causes me a lot of anxiety. When I was younger, like in my 20s, I sort of balanced the trade-off, like how much mouth pain am I currently in <laughs> versus how much mouth pain will I experience if I go to the dentist? And like it had to, it had to tip to the point where I currently was experiencing more mouth pain than I thought I would experience by going to the dentist. Wow. So like I had a really, really terrible dentist as a little kid kid like when i was four or five i had a horrible horrible dentist who like totally scarred me they just terrorize you oh yes right <laughs> 
It was <laughs> awful. Like I would be terrified to go to the dentist, which probably explains a lot of my lack of dental care and those kinds of pieces. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, long story short, James also doesn't like going to the dentist, but his teeth are like perfect and it just pisses me off. Clearly, he has not gotten my bacteria from my mouth. (laughs) This is why I asked, because it is known that those bacteria could spread. But if like someone like James, they might be born with the bacteria that's not cavity prone. And those bacteria kind of like how if someone lives in a house, it's harder to move in. So if he is born with those bacteria and they're so good at keeping other bacteria out, then even through, you know, years of sharing food and kissing, he, he might not even get your cavity prone bacteria so good good on him that his bacteria is keeping his mouth yeah they're holding down the fort keeping my bad bacteria out (laughs) it's like now not these ones no (laughs) these will rot his teeth these are not the teeth you are looking for (laughs) anyway dental health is important for many reasons and i hope it doesn't surprise our listeners to know that dental health is a huge health and public health concern absolutely before we get into that dental health is important because dental issue is quite unpleasant right and in some cases very dangerous yeah we know from a pretty substantial body of research that having poor dental health can impact not just sort of your quality of life and your ability to eat and enjoy foods, but also your overall health. So gingivitis and, and issues with your gums has been associated with heart issues, cardiovascular issues. You know, having mouth pain, right, can make it hard to eat certain foods. And so they can definitely have not just sort of impacts on behaviors and day-to-day life, but actually long-term implications for your overall health and well-being. Yeah, mental health as well. Uh, If you have a toothache that you can get fixed, that does a number on your mental health. And also, if dental issues are bad enough, it could be life-threatening. One way of doing that is if your cavities are so bad, it essentially introduces infection into your bloodstream, and then it could throw blood clots or bacteria clots to the rest of your body, and that's bad news, right? Absolutely. Nobody wants... uh bacteria from tooth decay to get into their blood and infect their heart, for example. Yeah. But why is it also a public health concern? Well, for one, the scale of the burden. One in how many adults have untreated tooth decay? Oh, I'm going to say... One in three. Very close. One in four. So about 25 Ooh, I to almost, tw- I almost said it. one in four. Dang it. So 25 to 26% of adults have untreated tooth decay. And granted, they count small cavities as well, but just untreated tooth decay that, you know, they didn't get fixed on a timely basis. So, so yeah, the, the burden for untreated tooth decay is, is quite large in this country. And this might be a little bit more dramatic, but how many ER visits are for dental-related emergencies every year? Oh, the C, I have no idea. But this is, again, got to be on a large enough scale that this is going to be a concern. We have 300 million people and one in three adults, one in four of adults, excuse me, have untreated. So I'm going to say 5 million. A little off, but... (laughs) So here's the thing, like the 25% untreated tooth decay, they count small cavities as well, right? So... Dental emergencies would be something that is... Oh, 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 like an... Okay, sorry. And Let me... A half a million. Closer. It is 800,000, so a little over half a million. You know, and the number varies, right? And this is... Some people say it's closer to a million uh, because the 800,000 is preventable dental emergencies, but it is around 800,000. This is a lot of people, right? And perhaps you might be thinking, okay, compared to the ER visits due to accidents and injuries at roughly 29 million, it's... A smaller scale, but that's still 800,000 is a lot of ER visits for dental issues. And a lot of those dental issues 
are quote unquote preventable if they have access to you know routine dental care or they have the education to understand the importance of you know having a dental routine. Another reason is oral cancer, uh, which a proper dentist and dental visit should catch early. So if you go to your dentist every you know what is it six months, if you have early signs of oral cancer, they should a, a competent dentist should be able to catch that. So question that eight hundred thousand dental emergencies does that include cancer or no? I do not know. It is just they go to the emergency room because of something with their teeth. Either they crack the teeth so bad, or like some sort of like that, or they have just unbearable pain in their teeth, possibly due to cancer. They just they just couldn't go anywhere else. So probably, but I am not sure. So I I will say my first estimate of five million. I was including, so I wasn't just thinking of preventable dental issues. I was also thinking like you get punched in the face and oh. your teeth come flying out and you need to go to the, right? So I, w- I was I thinking see. like very broad in the dental emergency piece. And so right, right, I think right. it's important that that 800,000 is the preventable stuff. Yes. People didn't go to the dentist, not other dental emergencies where you suffer some kind of injury and and you and you lose teeth or something okay yeah yeah, yeah. and i I do think that once we include those things that number is going to be way higher because people get hurt in the face all the time surprisingly common in the face (laughs) how else do you describe it besides hurt in the face (laughs) they have a a facial injury or their faces get hurt but like they get hurt in the face is an awkward (laughs) i'm gonna that's how i'm gonna refer to facial injuries from now on someone got hurt in the face (laughs) yeah next time that you know one of the kids comes up holding a part of did you get hurt in the face okay anyway moving on (laughs) now the primary reason why dental health is a public health concern is because it is very preventable a huge swath of that is completely preventable through uh, oral hygiene routines and just regular dental visits every six months right we should be brushing our teeth in the mornings and in the evenings at a minimum, preferably, I think the recommendation is to brush after every meal, right? So anytime you're done eating, which is a lot, that is a little yeah. <laughs> excessive, you know, brushing for two minutes. So each each quadrant of your mouth should get 30 seconds of attention. Flossing is really important, particularly like if you have any retainers that are sort of permanent or braces or bridges, like any kind of stuff like that. You want to make sure you're flossing above and around. Like I'm not a dentist. I feel like now I'm giving like a dental (laughs) lecture, which is not what my intent is. But like there are a lot of things that we can do to improve our dental health, you know, going to the dentist or those kinds of things. But it's also, it's not just an individual issue. As we talk about with all of these pieces, there are also educational implications and access issues Having dental insurance is yes. important because while dental healthcare isn't as expensive as medical healthcare, like it does cost money. It does cost money, and depending on your issue, it, it could cost a lot of money. So that is something that we're going to get into right now. And also, you know, just I know it's annoying when dentists tell you to floss, but it is very important. And all the cavities I had are between teeth, so I started flossing after after that. But anyway, I actually really I find flossing sort of meditative which might sound peculiar it is, after you get into it yeah. but like yeah it's it's a habit now it like i i can't imagine going to bed without flossing it just my mouth would feel so gross but it's just like a relaxing kind of thing to do now everybody's gonna think i'm even more of a weirdo than they already <laughs> think i am that's fine but you know you're right flossing is important now so when i was researching this episode because i've been always curious all the time why is eyes and teeth not a part of our health insurance i was researching this episode and i was thinking that oh there's 
probably like, you know, a neat solution or like a neat answer for this that I could just read up an article and understand. Oh, MJ, you haven't learned yet that it's never a simple answer? It's never a simple story. So uh, it turns out the story is a lot more complicated than that. Despite all these reasons that we just listed of why dental health is public health, the U.S. doesn't have a great dental health system. And this is something, unfortunately, we'll have to revisit in a future episode because what I'm about to talk about is already beefy enough that it will consume this episode's time. For one, dental is separate from the rest of medical care, both in practice, like you go to the dentist instead of going to the hospital, and in insurance. You don't have health insurance that covers dental. You have a separate dental insurance. Um, there's also access issues. Like you mentioned you. A lot of us live in areas where you find dentists like every block, but you know there are some places where there's no dentists for miles, right? right? So, and there's also no requirement that people need dental insurance. So the Affordable Care Act, the ACA, made it so that you must have some form of health insurance or you take a a modest penalty, right? I don't want to say huge. You take a modest penalty if you don't have health insurance. That is not required for dental insurance. So as a result, a lot of people don't have a dental insurance far more than those without health insurance, about three times more. So whoever don't have health insurance, which is about 27 million or somewhere around that, we have 78 millions without dental insurance. It is also, and this is driving me a little spicy, it is not covered by Medicare. I was like, okay, fine. Maybe they have supplement. It is also not covered by Medicaid. <laughs> so if you're if you're below the whatever cutoff is in your state, because Medicaid, as we mentioned, is a state-run program, even if you're falling under the Medicaid coverage, you don't get dental care unless you are a child. So if you're an adult who is uh, struggling, you don't get dental care. So I wondered, why isn't dental insurance a part of health insurance? I just want to circle back to the point you made about eyes and teeth not so weird, right? yeah. being part of the body. It is so weird. It's like your teeth are in your mouth. Your eyes are on your face. <laughs> your eyes are like in sockets that are in your body. Yeah. I'm I I was thinking about this when you mentioned that we were going to do an episode on dental health, dental care, and I just also could not find like a really clear a rational reason, reason. <laughs> and i know we'll talk about a little bit of this but it's not it made no sense to me other than like people just didn't care about teeth you know and if you if you lose them you know no big deal but actually we're learning that doing everything we can to keep people's teeth in their mouths as opposed to dentures or other things is actually really important. It is. And as we already talked about, your oral health has important implications for your physical yeah. health of the rest of your body, right? Because it's in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just think this is such a weird separation. So I wondered, like, why is dental insurance not a part of health insurance? And it turns out the explanation is very complicated is is convoluted. i guess one way convoluted is another way to put it so there there are many ways that it just didn't evolve this way so for one dentistry was not recognized as medicine during the early days when medicine was getting established so when they made medical schools they didn't include dentistry so as a result dental schools needed to create themselves right because medical school just didn't include dentistry as part of their thing when they were created and this is a little historical tidbit. Uh, historically, dentistry was practiced in barber shops. So I don't know if you heard this term, like barber surgeons. Wait, why are you why are you laughing? What are you doing? I just think that's so weird because weird. barber shops generally cater 
to men. So what were only men getting dental care if barbers were the ones doing dentistry? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they are <laughs> because that's how society was back then. But that I don't know. I told I don't want to comment on that. But historically, the barber is also your dentist is also your surgeon. I, I don't know why. Don't don't ask me. <laughs> so what we know is that dentistry was uh, historically part of the barber shop, and dentistry was often viewed as a very low practice. Because, you know, granted, they're being practiced by people who didn't really know a lot. They just sort of pull teeth. So people didn't really pay attention to dentistry. And as a result, when medicine was evolving, dentistry got completely left out. So they had to evolve on a separate track by themselves. And dentistry as a concept of the public's consciousness also evolved relatively slowly. A few decades ago, people went to the dentist rarely. And even if they do went to the dentist, it's largely paid out of pocket. And dental health is often viewed as an individual responsibility and not as a social necessity. So again, when they were drafting things like Medicare and Medicaid, dentistry was just like at the bottom of the list when the policymakers were thinking about because you know, people just didn't go to the dentist. Or not even on the list at all. Or not even on the list, right? The next point, dentistry, the way that it evolved is highly privatized. So it, they have their own schools, they have their own way of doing things, and most dentists are private in the sense that they, you know, they either start a clinic themselves or they they work for private practice. We don't think about dentists the same way we think about doctors, right? There aren't big dental systems that own lots of dental clinics, and and then you sort of work in this large system. Usually, it's a few dentists together owning a clinic and you know they they might own a few clinics but it's nowhere near the scale of sort of coordination that we see in the in the healthcare system and my understanding is we don't have public dentists really. the way we have sort of quote unquote public hospitals right where people have to treat you in these hospitals if you show up at the emergency department there are laws saying you must receive care same thing is not true in the dental context yeah. So because it's highly privatized, people get left out. Like if they have an issue and they don't have dental insurance or they just don't have the money, they just they don't really know where to go. So typically they wait until it's bad enough that they have to go to the emergency room and then they have to treat you, which is why that gigantic number earlier that we mentioned. Also, because it's highly privatized, as with any industry that is highly privatized, they have a incredible amount of lobbying force. They have generally resisted any attempt to regulate the industry. So, uh, for example, any attempts to regulate price or any attempts to regulate out-of-pocket costs or any attempts to regulate how dental insurance are structured, there has always been resistance. Uh, Granted, not all of them successful, but because it's so highly privatized, they have a lobbying force to deal with. And I think this results in, despite having dental insurance, actual dental care that you receive can be really expensive. Yes. Deductibles can be high. There's a pretty substantial out-of-pocket expense. Uh, You know, I just was making sort of a connection. Think about car insurance, Mm -hmm. right? We, you know, pay varying amounts of car insurance, but like if you get into a crash, you can still be responsible for some out-of-pocket costs depending on and how things go. And the same is true for health insurance. Obviously, it doesn't cover everything. But dental insurance, I feel like is the insurance industries rule the world. And clearly the dental (laughs) insurance folks like figured their stuff out because they cover like I don't have to pay for my yearly checkup. But like literally anything else I have done, I'm paying out of like four hundred dollars for a retainer because I broke my old retainer. Yeah. 
a lot of things are not covered. Right. And this is by design. So the last reason why dentistry is not a part of health insurance, and this is a very health economics topic that I am not, I can't do it justice. But just the general gist is that the risk calculation for dental insurance are fundamentally different than the risk calculation for health insurance. The reason being that dental issues are oftentimes a slow burn, right? You could kind of ignore it for a long time. It's also very predictable, right? You need to get dental checkup twice a year. So the risk calculation is just different so that it's actually mathematically hard to bundle a dental insurance with health insurance because the nature of dental issues are just mathematically different, right? I don't want to get too into the technical weeds, but it's it's more predictable. It's a slow burn, not a lot of accidents as you have with health issues, right? Dental issues, there are fewer like quote unquote catastrophic events with dental issues. As a result, a dental insurance, it seems like they're only interested in covering your regular visits. They're not really interested in covering your other things. And that is by design. And I think an important piece there is there are a lot of folks who pay for dental insurance who never go get their six-month checkups. Yeah. So the insurance company is collecting a premium that is no, and they're never having to pay anything. Mm -hmm. So they're making money on that side. And then they're deferring all of the other costs associated with care back onto the patient or the individual. This is a, it's terrible, but it's actually a pretty smart system where they're making a lot of money and not having to shell out a whole lot. Exactly. So dental insurance is quite messed up for many reasons. And I'm sure we will revisit this later in our future. Dental health is public health. Yeah. So these are the main, the four main reasons why dental health is historically not considered a part of our health and therefore dental insurance, not a part of our health insurance. And that has significant ramification for public health, which we'll get into in a future episode. Ramifications. What did I say? (laughs) Ramifications. You added an N in the middle ramification, which has significant ramifications for public health. And we'll get into that in a future episode. An important final thought is like, what can we do about this? Right. We just talked about all of the problems. And I think it's really important anytime you're talking to your elected officials to raise the issue of why is dental health considered separate from overall physical health? And what can we do with our policy choices and our priorities to bring teeth into the rest of the body? Yeah. And if it isn't clear already, uh, yes, dental health should absolutely be considered a part of health. And having two separate systems is getting increasingly difficult to rationalize. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more people can learn about the awesomeness of public health. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help the show immensely. Send us a question or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Reach out if you think we missed an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. Follow us on Twitter at everythingisph or Instagram at everythingispublichealth. You can also find me on Twitter at Dr. Krafasi. If you want to support the podcast directly, we have a Patreon page, and you can find the link in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.